Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sunderland kind of drew yesterday 1-1 with Agrit and Stanley, but the game was abandoned with about 15 minutes left. And to dissect three quarters of a game, I have some members of Durham County Cricket Club, which is me going into an area that I know absolutely nothing about. So I'm the rookie, I suppose, in this instance. And so we're joined by Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris, not the first person to say that. Don't worry. Yeah, it's a dip, that's a tongue twister. Quite a bit, it's usually over the tunnel, isn't it? <laughs> Chris Rushworth. That's like a tongue twister. So Chris Rushworth, uh, Carl Bryden, and Matty Wilson. Carl Bryden. Carl Bryden. Just right? swapping the name around. Have I got that wrong? It's Bryden. Bryden. I'm blaming Gav for that. That's why he put on the Twitter. I know oh, it's because your no, Twitter, 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 Twitter handle. Twitter handle. Ah. Oh well, I've had a nightmare. I'm still gonna leave it in. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So just, we'll just call me Cars today. Uh, yeah. Just call him Carsey. Carsey. Okay, we'll go Carsey. So before we get going, I know nothing about cricket, as clear as it is from me not being able to pronounce anyone's names, even the simple British one, which is Chris Rushraff. Um so can we get an old use a little bit for our audience who do not know anything about cricket like me? So Chris, what do you do at Durham? What is your position? Um, so I'm opening bowler. So I've I've been at Durham now for co- just coming up ten years next year. Um, born and bred Sunderland lad. Grew up playing local cricket um, at a club called Hilton. Moved to Sunderland at Ashbrook, um, and then joined Durham from there. So that was kind of my my I guess my progression into cricket. And cricket always um, been your number one sport. It has. I uh, grew up within cricket and family. Uh, Phil Mustard, who uh, played for Durham in, in England. He was my cousin. He used to live two doors up from us. Um, so family was always a big thing. And for me being, I guess, one of the youngest in the family, it was a natural progression. Fair play. And, and Matty, you aren't a cricketer. Uh, no, I no. don't pretend I am either. Yeah. Um, so what's your role? So I'm sales manager at the club. So like I said, basically trying to convince everybody that these two are worth watching. Um, which is And are they worth watching? Job. I sometimes, sorry. And, and Carsey, you've got probably a more interesting story than these two. Yeah, I'm... Um, I came over in 2014. I played a season of club cricket for Burnmore um, and been at Durham now for four years. So uh, that's pretty much where I'm at now. Local Chester boy, I like to think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm an all-rounder at Durham. So I've had a bit of a bad patch the last year with, with uh, injury. So I've just come back from a knee injury. But uh, looking forward to next season already. And we're all massive lads fans here, uh, so I want to know why. I mean, often it might just be geography, but Carsey, you're you yeah. obviously adap- adopted the yeah, culture. Yeah, well, look, um, growing up in South Africa, I think many people there support or like like to support top Premier League teams. So when I was young, I used to enjoy watching Fernando. Move closer. <laughs> I used to enjoy uh, watching Fernando Torres play. So. Adopted uh, Liverpool when I was younger, uh, came over obviously and just uh, started supporting uh, Sunderland. So that's where I'm at now. How's uh, that experience been going? Good. Um, good, really? <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, obviously, the last few years haven't been great for the club, but um, I think new management and new ownership now, I think I can only see one way forward now for Sunderland. I'd, I'd like to think that. Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. Too. Uh, Chris, I presume yours is geography. Um, it is. It's not as plain sailing as it probably oh, should I be. Love that. Go on. Um, obviously, as a young lad, 
before I really knew football and knew what was going on, I went through a stage of when I was like four or five supporting every team that won the league for about three years. And then when I kind of understood the game a bit more and um, realised that, you know, we've got a, football, a good football club just down the road. And obviously Sunderland from there was was it. Um, but for a few years, I remember one year I was a Blackburn fan when I was when I was young. Um, through no other reason than they won a league once. Um, Cheering on Shearer. Uh, <laughs> I think that nah, he was gone then. I'm, or was he? No, we won the league with Blackburn. Oh, it must have been then, I. There's you, you're nine on the back. I see, I can't even remember that, so that's how much I knew about it then. Um, but I, from probably five, I think, five or six, went on to support Sunderland. Fair play, Matty. Um, boring story, had no choice with my dad, really. No choice? Not really. Um, massive lads fan, been gone to match home and away for my probably 34 year. Um, so it was either that or being disowned. Fair enough. Um, you used to work at the club, didn't you? Yeah, I was I was there three years before I came to Durham. So obviously, as you can imagine, that was a a dream job. Um, Who were you working with then? What what year was that? Um, <clears throat> well, I've been at Durham a year and a half, and I went I joined Durham about two days after I uh, left Sunderland. Um, so quite a tough era. <laughs> yeah, you got um, you. although obviously there was a lot of highlights. I joined when Poyer was the manager, um, so I've I've seen a couple of great escapes. And then, um, plenty of mag wins as well yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but then obviously towards the end it wasn't it wasn't as good and you got any date on Martin Bain <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not saying anything I was say, yeah, well, <laughs> to be honest I, I will say that as an employee I, I found him okay to work for um, he came in with a, a tough remit um, obviously I, he gets a lot of stick because of the money that he was paid which is sort of not really his fault you're not going to turn it down are you um, true I <laughs> Obviously, as a Sungan fan, first and foremost, I'm not inclined to like him. But as a as a man and as a employee, I can't really lie and tell you that he was this sort of monster that he's kind of painted out to be. <clears throat> what do you make of what's happened since you've left? You know, are you surprised that the clubs fell fell down without going into it too much? Were you surprised we're in this situation? No, not at all. From from working there three years. Um, <laughs> There's, there's absolutely no shocks to be honest it was written on the cards and it was just delayed and delayed and then it eventually happened like it, there's always going to be a tipping point um, but I think I don't know it's, it's hard to describe as a fan as an employee because you had to have two sort of heads um, you had to kind of try and understand why they were trying to do things as an employee but then as a fan you were a bit annoyed um, yeah. so that was a bit of a challenge with working there to be honest Okay we're going to move on to positive things um, firstly obviously our game was postponed abandoned which means we can't talk about it as much as we would like because technically the, the goals and whatnot don't actually count Chris Maguire's karate kick handball effort uh, won't go in the record books I thought it was a 20 yard scream I mean <laughs> <laughs> probably was he probably was about 20 yards out to be fair I'm not sure if it was a scream I, I thought it was McGadian about 10 minutes ago so. <laughs> Um, so what did we make of the game yesterday I suppose what was your day like what time did you leave did you drive down bus train yeah I set off on the bus at 8 o'clock got to Accrington half 10 um, a few quiet ones a few quiet ones before the match um, yeah but it was it's a unique place Accrington I think like well, well, for you <laughs> well yeah for me it did almost like because one of the lads I was with was saying that uh is it Bertley? Bertley holds like 20,000 people. Bertley? Yeah. No, yeah. Bertley. Bertley, Bertley. Bertley, Bertley I, oh, okay. I said Bertley holds 20,000 people and oh. apparently it's just like... Bertley Town? Bertley. Aye. Does it? Aye. Well, the actual, the actual town centre, not the football ground. No, no, Bertley no, Centre. Aye, the town, the oh, population. Right, aye, aye, right, aye. Not the ground, just a field. Well, aye, well I, thought, I thought he was... <laughs> I, thought like, I, was I thought he was referencing football No, man, there, no, no. So like the actual area, Bertley holds 20,000 people and apparently... There's like it's got more people in Birdley than Accrington, so it's a unique place, I thought. Uh, different shows but you where we're at in the it does football pyramid when you're playing. Well, they're like really <laughs> batting above where they are and where, yeah, 100%. Aye, the, good on them, yeah, yeah, no, fair play, credit to them getting getting up there. Um, so you get there at half ten, have a few drinks. What time yeah. do you get the ground? Um, quarter past three, yeah. <laughs> I was ticketing problems, wasn't I? I missed oh, the no, kickoff. I just, no, just like the pool. No, I missed the kickoff. Um, I couldn't bloody see halfway down the ground that there was that much rain. But um, no, it was, I thought it's difficult to judge a game when conditions like that uh, have a massive impact. So I think 
obviously looking back at it now, fair enough um, that, yeah, I think a replay is probably the best possible thing that, that could happen. I think I think a point, I think I don't think Sunderland deserved less than a point. Um, but you wouldn't take it either? No, like no, I wouldn't. I'd rather replay the game. Yeah, so I'd probably rather replay the game. Were you surprised that they even played it or even tried to play it? Because it was like half yeah. one they were saying might not go ahead and then two o'clock they gave the word that it was going to go on. So I was surprised that the referee even allowed it. I think the, the forecast as well was just more rain. So I think from that point of view, it was a bit strange. But I suppose it's you've got an obligation to try and play it. If, you've, if people have travelled that far yeah. and you know, it's, you've got to try and get through it because imagine you don't play the game and then it's bright sunshine and there's no reason why you haven't. I suppose as cricketers as well, you would have been, you wouldn't want to have played that. <laughs> you would have been oh, called off straight no, away. Definitely not. As soon as it was a puddle on the ground, we would have <laughs> ran for cover, and you know, covers would have been on and all sorts. But I mean, I wasn't there, but I saw it on the on the telly and stuff, and like Mike was saying, like the it, the rain was just getting worse, and you, you could see the, the the puddles were just building up. I think on when, the ground and that when the ball's not really travelling as well, it makes it dangerous. And I think both the goals were a factor from rain essentially because I don't think that keeper would have struggled to get it off the do ground you not think, do you not think that he could have just let it go on <sighs> yeah, I mean with the players the, get injured when did he get called it off 70 second minutes uh, 70, 75 something like that something like that so you think like it wasn't the thing is not just the players like we were in a, a terrace like covered in rain people falling about all yeah. over and that it's like I suppose you've got to look at the safety point. Imagine if we scored a 94th minute goal to win it. Imagine how dangerous it would have been Uh, with people in that weather. I mean, obviously it would have been amazing as well, but, you know, slipping. Mm. God knows what else. So I'm not surprised they called off, but I just wish they'd sort of... thing is, it was a a no-nil game, really, because like you said, both both the goals would never have happened. But then the game would have been totally different if it was Sunday. I mean, we play football, don't we? Which is why I'd prefer to have a replay, play them on an even keel and normal weather do you think uh, Jack Ross will have said to the referee or even to himself and his coaching staff that they're better off replaying it rather than taking the point probably I mean he said after the game that he was he had no sort of issues with the decision um, and obviously he's probably got one eye on Pompey winning and thinking well we've Luton got another chance well. Luton won um, thinking well we've got a chance to, to go again sort of thing I just obviously we're now going to have a build up of games if we've got the Blackpool game to replay we've got that and then if uh, we beat Walsall tomorrow, the Charlton game, the will be off. And I've got Newcastle as well in yeah, January. So I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing to have to be a, a few points goal. behind, but games in hand, I think psychologically you'd rather have the points on the board and be on an even KO playing-wise. Just on that with uh, with Jack Ross, you were saying about Jack Ross, I don't know if you could see it from the game, but watching it on the stream, obviously all the, the cameras and that went straight to the referee when he called it off. All, like 90% of the players were, you know, like, arms in the air what's going on carry on whatever Jack Ross was the first person to walk straight to the referee shook his hand and just walked off so I think he kind of said straight away like right fair enough happy with that let's play it a different day you've got to worry as well like if he we've already had loads of injuries this season if he picked up you know maybe oh, one uh, Max Power or well, Matthews went off obviously injured yeah. didn't he and I wouldn't be surprised if that was partly down to the weather yeah we lost McGeoch in the summer as well if you remember <clears> at Middlesbrough yeah, when yeah. it was the same sort of weather so I think for us it probably was good because you're more likely to get injuries as well as the game goes on. Players get fatigued, and you know, it, I think it was the the right decision, I suppose. And we get a chance against a, an average Akron Stanley team. Yeah, you want to play on an even field, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, to the game itself, though, who was the the standout performer in the rain for you guys? Um, <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, I don't. I, I think it was kind of. Probably a bit of a dull performance, I think, mainly because of the weather, obviously. But um, no, I think I think power power looked good in the midfield again. Um, his distribution, um, I think, it could cause quite a dilemma when Lee Catmull comes back in, um, whether he plays Catmull and Power in midfield and potentially benches Honeyman. Um, but I think that's something for him to make up. It's interesting you bring up Honeyman there. I want to hear what your all of you think of George Honeyman because he's a player that splits opinion, but I think he's been really good the last few weeks. But I, I don't know where, where do you sit. I can't, I can't understand the stick he gets. Like I mean, I think he works hard. Like to be fair, like from the outset, he's he's always crafting and he's always he's always putting in a hundred percent. He's just not a flashy player. Like everyone no. wants to say McGeady, he was going to take three or four players on, but he, he's obviously got a job to do and. 
I, I really can't understand the stick that he gets, especially being someone who's come through the academy. I think we're quite like critical of people like that. I don't know why we're we don't adopt them obviously people like yeah, we're the fir- yeah we're the first fans that say right give the young boys uh, a chance yeah yeah and, and then when, when they, they do come, come they don't through. set the world on fire we're like oh we they get on top of exactly them right. I mean people like Pickford but to be honest that's I think it's more to do with his personality and the way he goes on the people like sort of have an affection for him I just don't get why we don't be more supportive of our own to be honest Henderson used to always get stick as well yeah yeah like, he was I was about one. to say that now like Honeyman almost he gets that same type of stick that like Henderson always gets especially when he plays for England like when if you actually break it down and you see what he actually does in a game he's he's probably like I know if in the Liverpool team he's probably the first name on the sheet really the, th- the thing is as well like I don't know what it is with Henderson but since he went to Liverpool he still gets stick by seems to be the whole country yeah I don't know whether that's an England thing and but it is strange how we don't really get behind our own more yeah no it is weird and I think Honeyman as well this season I think there's been games I think it was the Wickham game it was his brilliance that got well point and yeah, exactly. people were like yeah but he didn't do anything else and I was like yeah but nobody else did Like he's people use that argument for Madra as well like well I heard some yeah he gets here. loads of stick you go, well, well he does a score <laughs> what's wrong with that like <laughs> I know that's all you want I take that problem any day of the week is that the criticism of him like, all he does is score goals I think he's he's 19 he's going to have to learn how to improve you know he's going to have I mean to, to be honest yesterday things. he was probably the standout person for being poor he just didn't look interested and I hope that's more to do with the weather than I want to be aware well yeah um, got that contract over his head which is seems to have dragged on a bit now um, they're not sorted that yet no no him and Gooch I think are the main ones people are worried about um, Gooch is particularly going under the radar I don't know why people aren't getting upset about that they're more bothered about magic I think Gooch is probably as important mm-hmm. um, but he has had I would say poor form recently, Madger. I think it's fair to say. Oh yeah, yeah. He hasn't been great. He's recently. like I say, he's certainly not sort of. Every time I watch him, I always think he looks absolutely knackered. Like I think it's the laid back sort of attitude. I mean, mm. like Cameron Jones was like probably the most laid back player I've ever seen. But on his on his day, he was unplayable. I think sometimes players just look like that. Yeah. I don't think it's that they're not committed or they're not putting the effort in. Just the style that they are. There's a massive burden on them as well, though. If you th- like, like, see, he's only he's only 19 years old. They've got no one else that they're going to play in front of him, so he's playing constantly. And he's playing by default. So he's, o- he? he's obviously going to be tired, fatigued. Mm-hmm. You know, you play a lot of football in, in this league now, and for a young lad to have that much burden on your shoulders, playing a lot, it's going to take its toll. But I mean, you know, the, the, the especially the, at a the, match, have tried Sinclair, and you know, he's, he's just not cutting it, is he? Um, so it just Builds more pressure on Magic. I think, right? Well, I've I've got to be the man here. Um, and obviously, White's injured, and it just shows. Yeah, I well, it it is. I like you can't blame him. He's he's a young lad, and like I say, like he's still scoring goals even when he's not playing well. He's 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 picking up a goal every game or every other. It's like game. Darren Bent, like sometimes he would be absolutely woeful and anonymous for ninety minutes, game. but then he'd, he'd score he'd two, score and a goal, two like, one. It's like. You can't have it both ways all the time because if you if you were world class and you scored every yeah, week, then you'd be a ninety million pound player yeah. playing for something in the league, would you? Uh, did we all go to the game midweek, the Checker Trade Trophy game? I didn't actually. It's a second game of this this season. I, I didn't That's, make it. Just as we were talking about strikers, uh, Sinclair played that game, and you know he people called for him to play, but he was poor in front of goal. Even when he was playing his lower position, where he was able to get past them and run in behind. He still has no end product. Whereas Madge, for all he, you know, might not hold the ball up as well as you'd like or won't chase the ball down the channel. If you put the ball to him within 20 yards of the goal, he's, he's got a really good yeah. chance of scoring. <coughs> I think fans need to sort of remember that. You know, when you compare strikers, it's all well and good having a striker who doesn't score but runs about a lot. What's the point? Yeah, I think Sinclair's a bit like Alcador to me. Like, Is it very similar? Yeah, it's a good comparison. I want him to do well, but I do think he works hard though as a as a as a footballer. Like every time I see him play, he's he's, he's putting in hundred percent. I just think he's got a purpose. I think Jack Ross has started bringing him on with sort of ten minutes to go when you're, maybe he's under the cosh a bit. He's and better, think, better suited away from home, I think, as well, Sinclair. Yeah, maybe he's, when, when you're he, more likely to be under the cosh yeah. and you're probably only one 0 up or drawn or whatever. He's a better outlet ball, I think. He's yeah, a better, yeah. you know, if you want to hit a 50-yard long ball up to somebody, you'd rather it was Sinclair than Magic. Yeah, yeah, that much is obvious. That but is then his purpose. That's when his... we get Wyke back, do you Sinclair think can do, be relevant. Now, do you think there could be space for both of them? Sinclair and Magic? Yeah. That's never worked on the tried. Do not think? I don't know, I think... Lewis it hasn't been given much of a choice, but he just doesn't seem to want yeah. to play two up front, so it's never going to be The tried it, it 
Burton. It was well, it was white and magic, and it just was a complete. Right, it's only game of copies. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it would be worth doing it again. I'm not sure. And also, I think the the attacking three that we we'll have behind the striker works really well at the minute. I really like Gucci. I really like Maguire, McGeady, Honeyman, and well, even though Honeyman's dropped deep, I like, but. I don't think you'd want to change that. Well, that's yeah, the thing. That, to pay that, an extra striker, you've got to take somebody out of uh, the, the midfield and who would you drop? I think that's where they're getting the goals from. And like the three behind the, the front striker, as it is, I think, you know, they're the, they're the class in the team since McGeady started playing. You can tell he's you know, he's different class for League One, really, isn't he? Um, well, yeah. Maguire's, Maguire's been outstanding. Everyone knows that. Um, and like, say, Honeyman and Gooch, last probably five, six weeks have been, you know, they've been up there as good as anyone else. So I think. To play that extra striker and have two up front, I might say is it, haven't tried it, but don't really want to change what's working, do I? I think if you go two up front <coughs> as well, you lose the extra attacking player, but then it maybe makes you less dangerous because you're losing four potential goal scorers when you're playing that three behind and the striker. You play two up front, then you've got Sinclair, who we know isn't great in front of goal, and you're relying pretty much solely on Madja then because the mm. the wingers are going to have to do far more defensively when you've got two up front. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, I just don't think it would work. Um, Max Power has finally played some games, finally strung a few together. How important is he going forward now and how, how good was he yesterday, in your opinion? You said, um, Carsey, that he was your star player. So yeah, how, how important has he been? I think he's, I think just every time I have watched him play, I think his his energy that he brings to the team, especially in midfield, um, is positive. Um, I do think it's going to create a little bit of a dilemma when when Catamull comes back, like I said earlier on, um, whether or not he retains his position in the team. Um, but I do think, I think, I think just from watching him, I think he's going to play an important part in Sunderland's season. Um, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully he continues his form. Who do you think is the preferred midfield options? We've never had a fully fit central midfield this season, Chris, but what, what do you make of what we've got in it's there? It's a tough one because, like I say, you haven't had them all to choose from, so you you you, you know you haven't all played with each other. Um, I think what Power's shown when you watch him play, you know, he's very calm on the ball. He almost brings a calmness to the team. He can pick a pass out. He knows what's going on in front of him. I guess when you look at what's happened the last few weeks, the fact he didn't get booked or or sent off yes in those conditions you think well you know he's he does have a sensible head on him but he, he's got that you know that that wild card moment in him um but when you watch him on the ball he is calm under pressure he, you know he seems to slow play down he, he gets people under control um so I think he's got to keep his place with him and Catamol in that midfield and then you've got the attacking blokes out wide I, I think that's probably if you look at that you think you know that's a solid midfield that and what about McGeoch do you think he is he f- Maybe being a bit underwhelming, is it fair to say? I'm yet to be like impressed by him. Um, I know he's, he, he's come down and out, you watch him play, and he, he doesn't seem to do anything spectacular, for, you know, for the the ratings he's had previously. Um, but I think again, that's sort of his job, though. I think he doesn't do anything spectacular, but I think there's a place for somebody like that in the team. Do you so, think, would, so... would you play him, Power and? Cut them all in the same. Order. I don't know. Like you, like you said, it's a dilemma, and to be honest, we've never really had those three no, as an option no, at once. No. Um, but I don't think he's a bad player, and I think he does serve his purpose. To be honest, when I watched him in pre season before he got injured, so I think was at the Darlington game, his first game, mm-hmm. um, and then up at St. Mirren, um, he was the standout performer for me, like across the whole team in pre season, and he looked an absolute class act. And it wasn't anything spectacular that he'd done. He just he was dead comfortable on the ball. He could, and he's probably never really reached that level since he started playing league games. But because I've now seen that, I'm sort of giving him a bit of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I think if you watched just him, watch what he did in the game, I think you would be surprised because I, I made a point yeah. a few weeks ago of actually like, right, I'm going to take notice of what he's doing, and the amount of times he makes you know defensive headers, uh, positionally just in the right place to stop a ball going through. I think. <coughs> They're the things that you don't realise if you're just watching the ball. The game. He does yeah. a lot of sweeping up. He's uh-huh. a proper defensive midfielder. Yeah, he won't. I don't think he's ever going to score a goal. He's not going to drive forward and dictate the player attacking-wise, but he seems to always be the bloke who's mopping up. Yeah. I think we've also we've got Catamol now, who actually does look like an attacking threat, which I think proves how you know how better he is than that level. Because mm-hmm. you know when he's in the Premier League, he was never ever like, scored yeah. a couple of goals, didn't he? But... Now he actually looks like a threat. He's getting in the box, you know, he's driving, playing. 
I think he has to be probably the first name on the team sheet when he's fully fit. For me, hundred percent, definitely. I think so he's then, a, where do you I, think second second name McLaughlin's first name? Yeah. yeah. Where do you think that leaves uh, Honeyman then? I think Honeyman. Would do you still... think? Do you think he deserves to be? I think starting he... most weeks if Catamull's back. I think you put him in the number ten. I think you play it like you did at the start of the year because I think Cats and Power they have played together when Power's obviously not been mm-hmm. um, suspended. I think you just play Honeyman slightly further forward. Are you surprised as how well he's done further back, to be honest? I, d- I didn't see yeah. him being a, a proper central midfielder. He has done really well. But I see him as being the number 10, like he was earlier in the season. But then is it not a, is it a coincidence that he's performed better <laughs> more recently? So is he actually more suited to drop him deeper than he is? Well, he could be. Why not play them as a, a three then? And just say, Honeyman, you're slightly more advanced. And then mm. you can get Max Power further forward as well, because he actually is very box to box you know and yeah. sometimes I think he's in a two with somebody else further ahead he's a bit more restricted so it might make sense to maybe play them as rather than a two and then three behind playing an actual four sort of three three I suppose yeah I'd rather have power popping up on the edge of the box for yeah. a pot shot than like that header he scored against Scunthorpe yeah yeah he had a shot yesterday as well which just went past the post which I couldn't really see any of our other players doing that he's like the perfect league one player I think Apart from his discipline. <laughs> Which is weird because he'd never been sent off yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. But as well, you look at that, one got overturned. One was very dubious. And one, obviously, you can't argue against. But I think he's been unlucky more than anything, to be honest. Uh, so, talked a little bit about contracts before, but I sort of want to, I don't get your perspectives on it because, you know, you're a professional sportsman. What are contract negotiations like in their situation? Obviously, you might be a little bit different to them, but... You know, what is Josh Madger getting told by his agent? What, what is actually going on behind the scenes? I think because he's such a young bloke, his best interest has got to be football. Like, obviously, you know, when contracts come up for any any sportsman, everyone's initial thought is money. What's he getting offered? Like, what's he on now? But for a young lad who's doing quite well, football's got to be in his best interest. And for him... Scoring goals, playing week in, week out in a team that's doing quite well, unless there is people in the background like, look, we can give you this. You're going to play at a higher level. Um, it is. It is. He's in a tricky situation, but he's making his name in a team that, like I said, that's doing well, and he's playing week in, week out. So his football can only get better. But if you're Josh Madger and somebody says, right, Sunderland's offered you eight grand a week, but Bristol City's offering you fifteen. How do you say no? Or do you say no? If that's the option. Well, you you could put, I don't know, you could put something in your contract. Look, we'll offer you eight grand a week. If we get promoted, goes up. That, that goes up to, I don't know, 16 grand a week. You can get X amount in bonuses, appearances, goals, that kind of stuff. So you put, your potential earnings can obviously increase. The, the the better you do, you can, you can earn more money. Um, like I say, Touch wood. I'm disappointed if we didn't have a, you know, a strong chance of promotion. Um, surely, at a play, you want to win things and you want to help teams do well. So to to go through that, that's got to be an ambition. Surely, would you use Joel Osoro as an example? If you were, I hundred percent. We we we've spoke about him for the last. So was things available for going? I think. I'm sure I seen. I read somewhere that they were open to open to going the mountain. I think he scored yet. I think he got one assist when he first joined, but um. Yeah, sure, you're just looking at him thinking, well, the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. Might have a, a bigger pocket, but... I mean, imagine if we... But, but you say that, you say that like, so Joel Osorio, he would have been on a couple of grand a week at Sunderland. He's now moved to Swansea and he'll be on what? 15, maybe. 10, 15, 15, 15 grand. 15, yeah. I was actually having this conversation with someone during the week where football, like the wages that they pay out to, to players... You sometimes think it could be potentially you can be lost in the system a lot more in football compared to other professional sport because of the amount of money that you're getting. So if you're a footballer and you're getting 10, 15 grand a week at a championship side and you're on the bench, do you have drive to 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 get better as a player? Whereas potentially maybe in different sports where you're not getting that much money there's a little bit more drive there. Do you think? Do you understand where I'm coming from? I, I like, do. I, so, so, that, so, that's got to be down to personal ambition. Yeah, yeah. Every so, individual is so totally different. I think, I think sometimes that it can be a lot easier to get lost in a system as a young footballer 
if you're getting paid that much money. Oh, you can get and, blindsided uh, by pound signs. Yeah. But whereas, like, get, I don't know if that's maybe what's happened to him. Whereas, surely there's got to be a part of him now that's certain where he is now, thinking, have I maybe made the wrong mistake? Whereas, if I'd just spent another year at Sunderland, I'd be playing week in, week out, playing 90 minutes of football. Probably be and, in the same league as Swansea. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, potential, and hopefully, I'd like to think going back up to the Championship next year. Um, but then again, you don't know the ins and outs of his clauses and his agents and this and that. You know, he's, he could have had an agent whispering things into his ear saying this and that. It's easy to say this as well when none of us earn 15 grand a week or have had the option to. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think until you're in that situation, you, it's easy for us to say, well, why has he gone there? Why has he gone to Swansea instead of Sungen? Like, I know he's earning more money, but blah, blah, But <laughs> until somebody actually puts that in front of you and says, you could be earning this, I don't think any of us can really say what you would do. Yeah, I think he's got no agents to sung and really. He's, say, yeah, he's, he's a Swedish lad who would sign as a young and would gone down. He'd watched us go down twice. I think he's probably thought, I'm going to get out of here like, and I can go and get more money for it now. How different are... Do you have agents as cricketers? Mm-hmm. How different are they to football agents? Or are they the same? I wouldn't know. I, obviously, some agents look after both. Um, we actually have the same agent. Uh, it's easy for me to say... It's all agents play a big part, but ultimately the decision's down to you. But as a, yeah. a player, whether you're a footballer, cricketer, whatever sport you play, your agent might advise you on this, offers from elsewhere. But if you really don't want to make that decision or that move, you know, you, you won't do it. It's, it's what you want personally. And I don't want this to sound like a, a really personal question, but why do you have an agent? Like, what what's the, the purpose to have an agent compared to? If you didn't have one, I mean, how different would your life be if you didn't have an agent? Me being being an older player, um, probably n- not a big difference. Um, but for young lads, I think you know there's a lot more m- money in things. There's a there's a bigger influence from financial side of the game uh, in cricket, especially. Um, and it, it's not just money; it's like lifestyle things. You know, there, there's a lot of advice in a lot of areas where agents can can help out and give advice and you know like thing helping out with things like mortgages and insurance like a lot of other things other than just your your cricket contract um there's a lot of advice and help that that they give you so do you think when in football do you think the agents have had a negative impact or do you think they've still got a, a purpose that maybe people like me just don't understand uh, they've definitely got a purpose Without doubt, they've got a purpose. I just you'd like to you want to you want to hope and you want to think that agents, yes, they have to make a living themselves, but they're not just making deals solely on like their selfish reasons. So like, theoretically, uh, let's imagine right, you're at Durham and Kent come in for you, and I know we're putting this in like a football perspective, it probably wouldn't happen, but Kent come in and they say, right, we're going to offer you this, and then you find out your agent gets. I don't know, a huge bonus, a signing bonus kind of thing, an agent fee. How does that make you feel, you know, as a person that your agents kind of used you for money? And surely footballers must think like that as well. Footballers, obviously, everyone's aware that that's going to happen. Um, And I guess if that signing on fee to the agent came out of your salary or your pocket, then that probably would affect you. But would you not think like that, though? If your agent got, say, 100 grand, I would think, well, that 100 grand should be mine. I mean, as a footballer, I just wonder when, you know, agents are so dominant, especially somebody like Joel mm. Osoro, who it was obvious the agent was going for that move. Would Joel Osoro not think, well, how much money's he got? And that should be my money. Because that's how I would think. But I don't know if I'm just because I'm just not in that world. But you could just... also think, well, this move would never have come about without him. Uh, that's true. Um... I think it, it, football, you've got to remember football's, it's on its own scale in financial terms, like, Cricket is on a, a, you know, it's a much, much, much smaller scale financially. So for us to kind of think, would that happen? It, it's hard to, to understand, and just because yeah. we we we're not in that world. Um, but let's be honest, for a footballer, a hundred grand over a year, it's, yeah, it's peanuts, peanuts in it. I so like, I, does it really make that much difference to a player? Like Matty said, like would, would a player earn his fifteen grand a week if it wasn't for his agent? What what do you think the comparable is for Durham? Is it if in terms of size, are they like a League Two, League One sort of football club in terms of infrastructure? 
Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's obviously a totally different sport, yeah. and it's really hard to kind of say that. But I'd imagine so, sort of, on financial terms. Right. Uh, back to Sunderland anyway. We'll, we'll jump off the contract talk. I'll just get upset that Madge might be leaving and Gooch. <laughs> um, so the Newcastle in a 21 check a trade game. I think everyone's got mixed views on what this is. I think it's a, a disgrace, to be honest. I'd rather we weren't playing it. But what do you guys think? What do you think, Carsey? I think um, apart from we, we're obviously going to win. Um, I think. <laughs> I think, I think uh, it's a win-win for Newcastle. I think. I think. If we do beat them, you know, they can turn around and say, oh, it's our under-21s, under-23s, whatever. Whereas if they beat us, you know, it's a big hoo-ha party for them. But um, look, it is what it is. I think I think Sunderland will put out a strong team. Um, I just, yeah, I just hope we don't get beat. <laughs> you think, is, it, is it embarrassing? I think it is. Should, well, should it's we just a, it's a, it's a sort of horrible reminder of where we are. It's the um, worst thing that could happen, isn't it? Yeah, it's the worst draw. I would have even played them away. I would have because then sort of the onus is on them, and we just like you said, it's we can't win. There's no way we can win. We just need to be professional, play the game, turn up, win comfortably, and then forget it ever happened. But what do you think? You know, how many people are going to go? You know, is it going to be? That's a worrying. Well, thing, this is what it? this is what I said to Matty over the weekend. I said. It'll be interesting to see what sort of numbers turn out and like how many tickets Sunderland do give do give to them because at the end of the day, um it is although it's not like we don't want to see it as a derby, it is it is Sunderland versus Newcastle. So it's always an extra edge. Yeah. But like from going to sort of reserve games in the past, you you get a, a certain type of Yeah crowd <laughs> an attendee um, just and I can just say being like that I think it's obviously depending on police and they could potentially have thousands of tickets which then means people who wouldn't normally go will go and you probably know what I mean there's all cup games there's always sort of a bit of a weird element to it do you think it'll be like will they treat it as a three pound game as they have the previous rounds will I, they try I think and they should to try all? and make people go because to be honest me like it doesn't even have any extra bite to me. Like no, I don't. I don't care. I, I really don't. Obviously, I want to win the game because I'm a Sunderland fan, but I really don't care about it. Like I'm not going to be treating it like a derby day. It's just a thing I don't want to happen. But is do you think Jack Ross should maybe play his under twenty ones? I would say no. I think Sunderland. You know, they we're doing we're doing well. Why would you upset yeah. a team that are doing well just for the for the sake of one fixture that? Fair enough, not everyone might be happy with, but it's a first-team fixture. It's not a great cup, but it's a cup. It's a chance to keep players in, in form, doing well. Um, so, you know, you, I think like Mike said, you turn out, play the game, win comfortably, move on. For me, just, just get it over and just forget it. Ah, definitely, I, definitely. I want to win the cup as well. I mean, I want yeah. to go up as league champions and go Wembley and, and win the cup. I mean, we shouldn't be here, but if we're going to be here, we might as well win everything. Do you think that? How many people do you think will go? Do you think it will be a, a 30, 40, nah. a full house? Nah, I think 20. You I think, think it'll be lower than a normal league game. So yeah. Because I think a lot of people have the same opinion. They don't really care. Like, But then I think like it'll bring out people that don't necessarily turn up yeah, on Saturday that's, to that's watch a league yeah. one game. They'll see Sunderland Newcastle and you'll get all the people that aren't big Sunderland fans. Big, yeah. They'll think, right, I'm going to Derby. There's a chance of there'll be loads of bother. Some there. aye, there's, there's, a, there's a chance of a bit of you know a bit of a, a bit frisk. Aye, afterwards <laughs> people. The before, thing is, I, the sad thing is, people go for that. Like, well, aye, exactly. So I think I think the so yeah, maybe it's sad to think, but that probably will attract a reasonable crowd. Do you think Newcastle? I mean, they'll want to bring as many as they can. See, this is where they this is where they could contradict themselves. So they pretend they don't care, and it's. Only and we all care because obviously it's a derby. I mean, it's yeah, silly and it's to a sung and, it's a sung and game. You're going to want to win it. But they like say, oh, it's only our youngins, bloody blah. But then if they tip up with the thousand people there, and you think, well, hang on, you do care then, don't you? Well, that's why it's a win-win for Newcastle, I think, because potentially yeah, there's, there's there's no there's no other way out for it, really. Yeah, is there any way? And that's a home game, so it's tough, and it, and it's a check trade trophy game, so it's even tougher. But is there any way of I don't know somehow policing it? Is in treat that like a like a proper a derby. proper derby, you know, you, you need x, x x amount of loyalty yeah. points, or you know, rather than just having every Tom, Dick, and Harry from around the corner who think, right, I'm gonna, 
watch a bit of football. I imagine and have season a fight ticket after. holders for home fans will get priority uh, on tickets, whereas normally anything anyone just buy a, a cup ticket. I don't think they would sell them to people without purchase history because you wouldn't want Newcastle fans. If you give say Newcastle four thousand tickets, there'll be more than four thousand who want to get in. You don't want oh, them in the I, home end. I know that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Do you give them like the top tier and just let them sit? Up? I, I honestly don't. I know think you should do it in in stages. So a bit like what um, Blackpool have done with us. The, give away 2,800 or whatever I've sold that yeah. I think we should give them and then see how our ticket sales go see what our demand is thing is it's a money making opportunity at the end of the day like we're not yeah, we're not all rich you, <laughs> so, you, you can't turn away the chance to so why would you say right now you're not bringing another 4,000 people it's <clears> a £20 a ticket or whatever it's going to be like that's did you did you see Port Vale they played Stoke under 21s that that's ass. their derby and was I saw on. that yeah and, but Port Vale put their first team out and just killed them I think it was 4-0 or something mm. that's the final score so in some ways, I kind of hope we just do that. I kind of hope something just professional about it. They mm. win very comfortably, and we all forget about it ever happening. But taking the emotion out of it and the scenario, why wouldn't you want to win the game? Like yeah. it's it's a fixture that you want to win to go through the next round of the cup. It doesn't matter who you're playing; you should want to win every game. So I wouldn't be messing about playing our under twenty ones or whatever because it's a bit of an embarrassing thing to do. But on Tuesday, he played. It, well, he made ten changes the weekend, which shows how many changes he made for the Tuesday night game so will he play that sort of team that's the thing I don't know whether he's going to continue with his checker trade team so to speak because it's not fair on them to technically miss out when they've right. got with this far so the thing is though yeah, you should back that team to beat an under 21 side anyway like you would hope it's still got some decent players in it it's it's a scary situation and then also <laughs> if we then play the strongest team we've ever we've got then it also looks a bit like now you're only doing that because it's Newcastle and you're, like, you're scared of it type of thing. Yeah. The best thing is just to play the game, get the three points and get it done three with points. really. <laughs> the cup, man. Aye, aye, cup, cup. Midweek, we've got FA Cup second round replay. Um, not a very exciting fixture. It's the third time we've played Walsall within oh, three weeks. So it's not the, the best of games. But how do you think Jack Russell approached this now when we've got Two rearranged games coming up as well. We've got the Checker Trade Trophy, which hopefully will go all the way in. Uh, does he make changes? Does he keep this cup as a priority as he as he did in the earlier rounds where he did have put his first team out? Do you, what do you think he should do midweek? Uh, <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Like, like you say, got all these rearranged fixtures. Christmas is busy as it is without adding, you know, abandoned games and that on top. Um, I I think it is tough. Are we realistically going to go on to? To, you know, you, you want to dream and you want to progress in the effort, put it out. But are we gonna? You know, we've got to potentially win this. Get Bolton away. Bolton away. You know, that's, that's another winnable game. So then you, you can go to that round. Do you, do you go right? Well, let's try and get as far as we can. Or do you? You know, at some stage you got to look and think. Right, we've got a massive congested fixture list. Do you th- we want to get promoted? That's got to be the number one. One of the reasons I think I, I want Wood to take it seriously is I think Bolton in the FA Cup is actually a good measuring stick for yeah. it. Going away there, we're a, a poor championship side, yeah. but a side that's probably going to avoid relegation. That'll see where we're at with the team. So in some ways, I sort of want Wood to to get through this one, so we'll get to play that game. Yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I don't mind the, the draw that we've been given. I just think oh, I just really don't want to build up of games at the end of the season when, especially if it looks like we're going to have to keep winning them because. Pomp, you don't seem to drop any points every time I check the score. Yeah, they've won, they've won again. Um, I just really don't want us to be 10 points behind and I we might have four games in hand, which then means you could be above them. But just psychologically, I'd rather not have that. Uh, but you don't want them four games in hand to be must-win games. That's what I mean, yeah. Aye. That's what I mean. We're very comfortably in the playoffs at the minute. I was looking at the table before, but Luton seem to keep winning. They've just seemed to have came from mm-hmm. nowhere. Obviously, we've got two games in hand. And Looks so a decent point at uh, Luton. It does in now. In retrospect. At the start of the season, we're like, oh, newly promoted team, not great. But Luton are, are kind of on a roll at the minute. I think Portsmouth, obviously, just always win. But Barnsley seem to be slipping. Peterborough slipping as well. Walls all slipped there. So it looks there. like it's going to be two of the three, isn't it? I think Luton, it's fair to say, are proper contenders mm-hmm. now, I think, at this stage. Um, so is this now an unnecessary distraction, having all these cup games? Potentially. I mean, you're not going to win it, are you? So other than financially, what's the... Which which cup? Um, obviously, the FA Cup's obviously got more money in it. But how much financial re- uh, reward does Sunderland gain if they do do quite well in the checker trade? Could Which be worth the, a player, probably. It might yeah. get maybe a million pound by the end. 
after going what, through all the... If they're to win the... F- the... I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that much, to be honest. I'd... I don't know if you add up all the prize money, gate money, from all the rounds. Oh, right. The, yeah, yeah. Then mm, maybe, you yeah. probably do make about... Yeah, if you're including gates and things. Yeah, you, but you probably do make enough to make it worthwhile. I know that the Premier League's in because they pay a silly amount to be involved, which is why yeah. we'll get these B teams. thing is, it's obviously worth a lot more to the lesser teams than it is to us. I think that's a hard thing about potentially being a, a manager, really, because obviously you want to win every game, but uh, at the end of the day, he's got a he's got a squad that he's got to obviously manage his players and keep fit for potentially more important games to come in the season, where where you know if if he's gonna if he's gonna rest certain players in a cup game for them to benefit on a league game on a Saturday then that's then that's obviously the most important thing then this is where I think like we should shine through as a a better squad and team because I could the likes of I don't know without belittling anybody and singling them up but could Akrit make 10 changes for a secretary game and then still turn up and win 2-0 I think we should really sort of shine through on that where we've got a, a squad where people are capable to step in might be third choice on a league game but you can come in and play alright and win yeah, I mean, we're looking at like Lugo Nine. You know, he's yeah. paid money, good money for him. Luton wanted him in the summer, and yeah. you know, he's, he'd be he's a starter for everyone else. Everyone else, yeah, and he's he's a good player for us to bring on. But yeah. we're not playing like Dylan McGeoch and Jerome Sinclair, and you know, insert yeah, pretty much the full squad and say you know, Glenn mm-hmm. Lubins was at Sheffield Wednesday yeah. last year. He kind of get in the team. Yeah, yeah. So we do have a lot of strength and depth. So I think midweek probably could do with making a few changes, especially with how difficult that game on Saturday would have been on the legs. Yeah, yeah. I imagine there's quite a lot of fatigue players, even though we only played 75 minutes. Uh, Saturday, we've got Bristol Rovers, which is our first league meeting since 1992-3. Chris, were you, do you remember that? <laughs> uh, no. Blackburn no. fan then, weren't you? <laughs> I would have been. No, it would have been Man United. Man United then. Yeah. Uh, last time we faced them, though, it was in the League Cup in 2001. We won 2-1. Random bit of trivia there. Don Hutchinson scored. So... You know what? What can we expect from them? We've seen we're sort of trounced Southend, Rochdale, Scunthorpe, but then we've also struggled against Wickham, uh, Oxford. You know, is this one going to be more like Southend, Rochdale, Scunthorpe? I mean, Bristol Rovers are really struggling at the minute. I think they've lost the last five games. So it's a game where you should just turn up and win comfortably, like those games. But the form doesn't really count for a lot. I mean, obviously it's a big cliche and everyone keeps saying it, but teams do raise the game against us. Come to the stadium, like it's a big day out and a big occasion for them without sounding like big headed and cocky. But I think the form the doesn't actually count for a lot. <laughs> Look at the way Wickham reacted. Well, yeah, you know, it was huge for them, and it probably was the biggest league result they've had. Yeah, you know, going away. From so I, I think the form doesn't really count for a lot, which is why we just need to be dead professional, just play our normal game, and it should prevail. And Carlsby, you got a season. Do you go to all the home games? I do. Yes. What yeah. are you made of the the games at the stadium? Like it's been very. I would say almost chalk and cheese has been games where we've just yeah look um, teams. obviously I think every team that does come to Sunderland um, obviously treats it like their cup final um, I think every time I look at a home fixture um, you've now you've got to think that it's a guaranteed three points of like just who we're playing against um, so yeah um, I enjoy it it's good Huh? <laughs> <laughs> how much better is it than last season a lot better a lot better yeah <laughs> a lot better um, obviously watching Sunday now the last four or five years um, maybe you're the problem maybe it's your fault you came and went 20 30, when was your first games 20, 2014 uh, my first game was West Brom at home 2014 so that we won yeah yeah we it won pretty much stayed up, stayed that, up yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, maybe you're not bad luck then no, we I don't know. It was all downhill after that. Like I say, it was the start of the demise, wasn't it? Uh, well, at the end of the day, I, I, I haven't seen you. I mean, I, I haven't seen Sunderland lose a derby, so that's the main thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But then again, that's been a long. That's only been ten years. <laughs> you might not have even been at Durham. Been that long? No, nah, 2011 was it? Uh, I was there. I I remember. Um, I, if you pick one game that can sum up the whole season so far, the Barnsley game the other Tuesday. Literally, it was like watching Brazil for half an hour, wasn't it? And everyone's thinking, we're going to win 5 6 nil here, this is mint. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we think, great, we're going to get, yeah. five, get beat 5 3 here. Like, I think that's the way the season's been. It was a crazy it, it, game. In, in 90 minutes, that, that was how Sunderland have played this year. You know, the, the boss teams off the park, they relax, sit back, 
and then teams get on top of them, give away silly goals, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we came out four two, which looked comfortable, but it it's never, this it never well, felt like that. It's this level as well. I mean, look at us the other week at Walls all with ten men two 0 down. Normally that game would be dead and other leagues, but we've got something out of it. And I think teams three 0 down at the stadium at the stadium right, obviously still thought like, well, we'll just have a go and it nearly paid off for them. Right. I was really nervous. We've been down ten men four times, never got beat. And never got beat. It's quite impressive. When we were one 0 down at uh, Oxford when Yeah. And we pretty drew. much the full game, I think. Yeah, well yeah. with sixty minutes with ten men that day. And we were one 0 down when we were ten yeah, so we Came back then. Uh, we're going to do a little bit now on cricket. Uh, so this is a bit where I really should just shut up. I mean, all I know really is it's Freddie Flintoff's quite funny on the telly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's agree. Is he annoying? Is he funny? No, he's alright, Freddie. Yeah. So do you, you'll know Freddie. Yeah. I've I've met him quite a lot. I have spoke to him quite a bit. Big fan, Preston fan, isn't he? He is. I. I now very very good man. F- funny funny guy. I listen to his podcast. No, he is he is funny. Naturally funny. Um, so first things first uh, how did things go for Durham this past season and just clarify when you play for people who know nothing about cricket um, look obviously a disappointing year um, I think at the start of every season you always have objectives and goals that you want to set and I think um, when we got relegated two years ago from Division 1 I think people were probably a little bit too optimistic of wanting to go straight back up where it was probably going to be slightly more difficult than anticipated. But um, looking back at the season, I think we had a successful run in the T20 competition. Um, and that's something to build on. Obviously, I think from the start of that tournament, we were potentially written like we weren't really like regarded as one of the favourites. Where I think 40 to 1. Yeah, yeah. I think um, with a young team, inexperienced players, uh, players probably not used to playing at that uh, standard I think we did really well as a squad um, struggled a little bit in the championship um, but I think I think it's a whole learning curve really I think with a young squad now that Durham has I think uh, we can only get better What's the difference in quality between the top division and the second division? Uh, probably strength and depth I think obviously Classy's touched on the season for most of the listeners I'm guessing a lot of them aren't like cricket buffs you know so just uh, People have to understand, so so Durham got relegated two years ago and it wasn't because we finished at the bottom of the table. We were hit by financial, you know, we, we were in financial crisis or whatever um, and we got relegated by the governing body. So we got relegated, got docked a huge amount of points. So we started the next season on a, on a massive deficit. Um, and, you know, the, the season we got relegated, we finished fourth in the top division, which is a very good effort mm-hmm. considering we, we did have a young team no overseas players um, was a good effort, but we got relegated and then started the next season, bottom of Division 2, minus 50 points. Like for anyone that doesn't know, that's a hell of a long way back. Um, so we're kind of now just getting back to that financial stability. So we've had a, we've we've lost quite a few of our, our best players. Um, we've had a massive salary cap, which has, you know, it's affected our ability to sign players and, um, get people in for various tournaments and things so now we're in a stable position things are looking are looking up we've, we've got a, a squad that have played two years now um have gained more experience which everyone's going to be better for so so the club as a whole is on the way up on a on a slight on a you know it, it's it's very similar to how cylinder you know we we had a bad period things have now stabilized and we're building from the bottom, and we're, you know we're, we're getting there. Um, so hopefully, our season next year is a bit like this one in League One. So you're looking for promotion. Promotion is the, is the aim, hundred uh, percent. Two normally two go up, two go down. Um, but next year they're they're trying to change the amount of teams in the top division in the second to even them out. So there's three teams get promoted out of nine um, this year. Out of ten, I think it is actually Division Two. So so this year we, we've got a stronger chance than any to mm-hmm. to get promoted so we have to have that as a as a number one priority and what's your sort of favoured way to play cricket obviously 2020 is arguably the most popular is it fair to say do you prefer that I think as a bowler I think uh, 2020 cricket isn't isn't great fun um, it's it's obviously more difficult than like you've got to execute your skills better um, 
I've only played a lot of uh, championship cricket like compared to white ball cricket so I'm, I probably haven't had that much experience in the white ball game but um, I think it's definitely something that you want to be a part of uh, 2020 cricket 50 over cricket I think uh, it attracts the most crowds it's the most excitement it's quick it's over quickly and, and yeah it's a lot of fun I think Do you think it's people like me like the five days I occasionally like watch the Ashes and stuff and I'll play football manager and have the Ashes on in the background Bit like Maddie, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit daunting. Like the, the idea of five days is is a viewer. It's like starting a Netflix series, and it's got nine series, and you're at the start, and you're like, "Oh, that's a long way to go to get through it." Do you think that's part of the issue? People just well, commercially, I mean, a T20 is the way the game's going. There's now this hundred ball tournament you might have heard of. It's like a they've basically reinvented the wheel. Um, because that's the way the world's moving towards. Obviously, a new generation of younger kids coming through. For an example, we had eight thousand for the Yorkshire T20 game. Play them in the championship, and you'd have five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of now become a totally different game. And I think people like yourself, who obviously aren't a massive cricket fan, but you're dabbling it and you're watching it now, you're probably not going to spend five days watching cricket. But if you're being brought up with it, like obviously we all have, sort of thing, you you have a different outlook on it. So it's not weird or like. <laughs> I think Chris will probably tell you like he would love playing like a, a championship cricket game, but watching it's different if you're not a massive cricket fan. What do you think, Chris? Is is 2020 going to be the future? I suppose, or is it even you know the present? Well, it's definitely the present. You you can't argue with you know stats and figures and things like that. Um, I guess this new 100 England, our our friend or our ECB, the the governing body. That's what we're starting. So that. You know they want that to be the future. Um, look, like Carsey said, as a, as a bowler, we're both like we're both bowlers, opening bowlers. It's hard work, but it it is still fun. Like you know, to turn up to a twenty twenty at Durham Chesley Street on a Friday night, and there's eight thousand people there. Like, what's not to like? You know the yeah. the screaming kids everywhere, and that for you know for for a young cricketer playing in Chesley Street, you don't see it. Um, so it is good. It, it's entertaining, and it is what people want. Um, I love playing four day cricket just purely because if you can win a game after four days there's a lot of hard work goes into it and you know when you win them it's bloody hard work to win Um, but at the same you know you can win a game in an hour and a half in a 2020 it's totally different but you know you can't can't argue with with audience and and figures financially T20s has brought in massive crowds around the world and what do you think cricket can do to attract somebody like me who is... I mean, this country is football obsessed and then there's maybe a small amount like rugby, a small amount like cricket, someone like, like rugby league. What can you do to attract that casual crowd who... You know, I've never been to a Durham cricket game. I do watch cricket on the telly occasionally, but I, they've never... You know, I don't really know when to play. I don't really know... You I know. should get better at my job then, shouldn't I? I know. <laughs> Asking the right man, I guess. No, um, what, what do you think you can do, though, to sort of... So the reason... The last couple of years, um, we've had a big surge in attendances. So, for a T20 game, obviously it depends on the fixture, the day of the week, that sort of thing. But you'd be looking at sort of three and a half to to four thousand, I reckon, for a normal game. Um, we hit our highest ever attendance for a Durham game this year, um, which was the Yorkshire Derby, um, around about eight thousand. But we've got a big onus on sort of family audiences now, so we have a family zone there, and it's we sort of recognise that we have to kind of because this is the next generation come through. We need to get them involved as early as possible. There's a big initiative with the ECB um, with an all-star scheme, so they join the local critical club, they play it. So it's up to us to then get them to watch it. So I think in years gone by, T20 cricket in particular has had this reputation for being just like lads on the drink and it's dead leery, which there is that element there. There's always going to be that sort of thing, but to move towards families is the future and that's why we've had a big sort of surge in attendances. Um, I think a lot of people, I'd probably say 50% of people who go to cricket T20 games aren't there for the cricket, um, which you may have an opinion on that, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're getting people through the door and then hopefully the aim is to convert them into actually wanting to go because of the cricket. And I was reading as well um, about sort of travel links as well. You know, I mean, if you're, I'm based up in Northumberland, so my closest cricket team would be Durham. Now, what are the, the links like to get there? If our listeners want to go down and they live in, say, Sunderland, how do you get to a... Yeah, I mean, obviously, because of where we are, it's always going to be geographically challenging. Um, we are sort of out on the sticks. If you plunk that critter ground in the middle of Sung and Durham, Newcastle would be laughing. Um, there's a train station, Chesky Street, direct links to Newcastle, not Sung There's a bus 
stops outside the ground from Sunderland. Same with Durham. But uh, one thing I've done over the last couple of years, I've sort of tried to speak to all the local cricket clubs and run free buses to the games if they buy X amount of tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to improve all the links, but obviously you've got to work with the bus company, the train lines, and it's up to them whether they're going to provide you with a train or a bus. Um, so it is challenging because of where we are. It's always going to be the case. Is there any park and ride? Yeah, um, not for normal Durham games, um, unless it's a, a big game where we have, we know we're going to have a big crowd. But England games there, there's park and ride in Durham, Newcastle, Sunderland. Um, so we do try and improve because of where we are. We're always going to have that challenge. So we try and put as many things on as we can. But it obviously it costs money, doesn't it? It's, That's life, money. Yeah. Is there any England tests? As I read a few years ago that Durham wasn't getting any or wasn't in the schedule until 2019. Is We've got uh, the World Cup coming to England next year. So that's just a one-day format, so not a test match. But we have um, England, New Zealand, at Chesley Street and two South African games. Actually. When's, when's that? It starts July next year. Um, so pretty soon? Yeah. So the, there's a trophy tour at the moment. So the trophy's going all around the world and it arrives in England the start, start next year and then makes its way to each of the venues. So that's a, it's a big thing for the area. Like, I mean, Chesley Street, it just happens to be where I'm from. Um, to have a World Cup in Chesley Street is quite mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Uh, growing up there and then all of a sudden you've got a World Cup there. It's like, it's mad. And season, regular season starts? First game's 5th of April, um, which is the county championship. So that's the four-day format. Um, but then obviously there's the three competitions. So there's the county championship, the T20 and the Royal London Cup, which is 50 overs. They're kind of drip-fed in throughout the season. It runs like April to, to September. Hopefully we'll get a nice summer. Actually, this summer would have been really nice for you. Yeah, this summer. Well, that's an, that's another challenge, the weather up here. Like, yeah. Even in the country, like the Hampshire, obviously down in the south, a bit of an advantage to us. Yeah. But just have to win every game. Fair play. You got any final remarks before we sign off for the day? I think we've done about an hour, so... I think Wednesday we've got Matty Piper dropping uh, for my Sunderland players. Remember Matty Piper? Yeah, yeah. Didn't play that often. Like. I was going to say, I don't dodgy knees. Much, like, had 15 knee operations. 15? Yeah. Basically, he had a. a Not just while he was here, because it felt like it. Yeah, the uh, no, that's, he's whole. He's just <laughs> had one recently. But that's he had, intre- for someone who was. 15. I remember he was quick on the wing, wasn't he? Like, he was a good player, right? It was, well, he had, it was frustrating. He was telling us he had. He basically should never have been a footballer. His kneecap used to slide when he turned quickly. So he just used to keep doing the same injury all the time and he never used to understand why. And it was. And we've got him twisting about one. <laughs> I know, I've got 14 to go. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, he probably only had about four by that. By already, so I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure he'll be all right. Uh, so that drops Wednesday. Uh, Sunday, we'll have our usual Bristol Rovers review and then there'll be the extra podcast midweek. And I think. That's all the housekeeping I have to take care of. Just one thing you mentioned, I'll do it for you. You've, with your benefit here next year, if you want to talk about that. Testimonial year. Testimonial um, year. So I've, I've been at Durham for well, 10 years, it will be next year, so I'm lucky enough to have been given a testimonial year. Um, so throughout 2019, I've got a, a huge range of um, events and things like that. Matty's helping us to try and, at the minute, we're trying to put together a, a Sunland event, a, you know, a, a talk in with some ex-players, ex, ex um, hopefully some some big names to come up at the stadium alike. Um so if people keep an eye on that just search for you know Chris Rushworth testimonial 2019 on Twitter um, and it'll bring up all the list of events we've got planned so far and you know if people can follow and uh, join in where and if if you can um, it'd be much appreciated we get a game do you do it like football do you get like a there's a, there's a few certain there's a few cricket games planned um, there's a there's one which is going to be I think pretty high profile um, but that's yet to be announced oh, it's another um, so, so stay tuned for that um, I, I ideally would love to have a, a football game you know or a cricket game Durham against Sunderland um, so if anyone from Sunderland's listen they're, <laughs> they're quite hard to get in touch with and, and people are struggling to get back so if there's anyone from the club that fancy a game of cricket or football against the cricketers you should um, do both really uh, absolutely we're keen T20 or 100, whatever it is. I'd rather use um, it if I was playing, like, I, I, the cricket ball's quite a scary object. Like, it's, it's very, like, hard and <laughs> feels like it would really hurt if it hit you. I'd, so look, I'd, 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 I'd love to play ball. football just in the pure fact that for the last two years, Bryden, right, young South African lads come across full of enthusiasm. He, he reckons he can score. 
at least one goal in a football league game if he plays up front with proper footballers. Do you reckon? I do. If, if, you, if you've mate. seen him in warm ups of cricket, honestly, no you, chance. I'm be honest. Honest. Hey. Mint. <laughs> I am. I'm absolutely mint, mate. Who do you compare? Do. What is your. Um, Josie Allen? Like, <laughs> no. Sinclair. On a, on, a lesser, on a lesser scale. No, I, I mean, they're going to make the new FIFA skill called the bloody Cossy skill or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> no, who's your comparison? Who do you uh, model yourself on? I like to think I'm. But like. I don't know. It, it depends. Like it depends what the weather's like as well. The weather. Oh, no. See, hey, look, he's back already. How would you have I'm, done yesterday? Yesterday, nah, I would have just sat back. Yesterday, <laughs> he's a cricketer, mate. All right, the weather's perfect. It's a sunny day. It's about twenty-two degrees. It's not too hot. There's no breeze. It's not humid. Who are you? I'm a McGeady one side, Gucci you're there, just depends, feeding you, yeah. mate, just you feeding you. My finishing's like Madja, my skill's like McGeady. Um, <laughs> I am. So you're just a big one for I'm as fast then. as Gooch. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, he's championship. Look at him at championship level. Good. Oh, right, yeah. To be fair, I did say that when Sunderland were in the Premier League, I'd yeah, score a goal. I did, I. Do you reckon? Well, I mean, we could all, I mean, Danny Graham once scored one off his arse. Uh, so. I don't know where. <laughs> There's hope. John's like, dead. I do back myself, like, I do. Your goal would be like Maguire's yesterday. That's as good as you you'd get. You never know, mate. It's as good as you'd get. Well, you should be lethal at throw-ins. <laughs> <laughs> Rory Delapes. Rory Delapes. Yeah, you should both be good at throw-ins, actually. What was he called? The kid from uh, Tramier, Dave Chalner. Was it Chal- Chalner? Was he the one who used Tramier, to who used to yeah. bat them from the halfway uh, line. <laughs> yeah, so. There you go. You could do that. There's hope yet, mate. <laughs> there is. We'll give you a bat. Would I be here? Give you a bat. <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to do that, like. Probably I'd imagine not, like. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. But <laughs> right, this is this is descended into the chaos song. Uh, it so thanks, guys, for coming on. Uh, no we appreciate it. Go watch Durham cricket if you're interested in cricket. Even if you're not interested in cricket, you can drink in the stands, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, it's better than the football, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I might take the wife. I've got some business cards in. <laughs> <laughs>